Hi to all you boys and girls out there in podcast land. Today we have something special. It's sort of a crossover episode, if you will. The first half of the podcast contains an excerpt from my interview with veteran editor and producer Chris Finwick, host of the SCPX Grill podcast, currently on a long-term hiatus. The sentiments he shares, I think, are words you absolutely must hear if you're working hard to make a living as a professional creative. However, the situation that prompted this discussion is related to what is addressed in the last half of the episode, wherein Radio Film School regular J.D. Cochran shares some pretty passionate reply to Chris's comments in the first half. And that reply, and the situation which prompted this whole episode, was related to something that happened during our current miniseries, Breaking the Glass. So technically, this is episode 6 of the Breaking the Glass podcast series, but it's also serving double duty as a bonus Radio Film School Filmmaker's Journey episode. As usual, I want to thank one of the sponsors who helped make this series and the podcast possible, Song Freedom. Now, I know the deal. You all have so many choices about where to pick your music. And no doubt, you'll go on using those sources. But here's the thing. First, when you go to songfreedom.com radio to sign up for a new account, sure, you'll get a free standard go-level license worth $30, but you're also sending a message that you believe in what we're doing with this podcast, and in particular, this mini-series. Also, practically speaking, if you want to use a mainstream song for one of your personal projects, or a nonprofit film that you're working on, or a wedding and personal event, Song Freedom is your best bet. And the rest of their songs are on par with all the other popular music licensing sites that are out there. So what have you got to lose? Once again, that's songfreedom.com slash radio. We thank Song Freedom for their support. All right, now on with the show. Slide on the set. Scene one, take 10, marker. And action. At the beginning of August, we started our special mini-series called Breaking the Glass, stories about gender, race, and making it in the biz. First came audio podcasts of the series. Then on September 26, we launched the first episode of the docu-film series. Whereas the audio episodes involve many different individuals, the film series centers around six longtime friends who all work in varying aspects of the film and television industry. We have two television writers and producers, a feature animation editor, an actress, and Radio Film School's very own Yolanda Cochran, who's a feature film producer, rounds out the group. The second episode of the docuseries aired two weeks ago, and in it, Christine Hazlitt, who's the animation editor I referred to earlier, was sharing some of the challenges she was having in her career as it related to gender discrimination. At one point in the episode, she even shared how that during some interviews that she had for jobs that she was applying for over the years, she was asked if she had children. Now, that's clearly against U.S. labor laws. But then later on, she shared this story. It took all this time for me to sit down with an editor and say, I want to become an associate editor. I'm still a first assistant editor. 20 years. The editor turned to me and said, I don't have time to help you. 
which was a slap in my face because I've been with him for three years. So I go back to my desk. He's very clear to say as I'm leaving the room, you know you're a great assistant, you're doing a great job. And I said, thank you. Cut to three weeks later, an editorial coordinator, a young man, is working in our suite. We're up against a screening. The studio has a, um, an outing for production people in a couple days. He says, I know it's a really bad time to take time off. May I go to this outing? It's a, it's a, it's a group building. The editor says, let's sit down and talk about this. We really need you, it's very busy, but this could be very good for your career. But three weeks before when I asked about my career, he didn't have time. Yeah. 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 Why do you think I, he did that? I really believe that no one suspects it's happening. Mm. I really believe that this editor comes from a good place. I really believe it's a cultural um, cloud. Mm -hmm. it's, it's okay, it's acceptable. Christine has children and a husband. She doesn't need to become an editor. She's just here. But he is a thriving young man and needs to buy a house and have a family and children. And he will probably rise up in the system, whereas Christine won't. She's just, she so has a, a handicap. So was it more ageism than it was gender? I think it's more gender. I, I really believe that yeah, nobody is like seeing this, this filter. Now, not to say that he won't help me, because then when I went back to my desk, because I've met people like this. I mean, I've been in the industry for, for 20 years. I said, I've got to get back to my seat. I've worked for him for two and a half years. I've got to work harder than I've ever worked before. So he wants to help me. Did you hear that? Christine felt like she had to work even harder than ever in order to get her superior to want to help her. And therein lies the impetus for today's conversations. I'm Ron Dawson, and this is Radio Film School's crossover special of Breaking the Glass and the Filmmaker's Journey. Last week was the season two premiere of Radio Film School. Huge thanks to all of you who downloaded that episode and sent me congratulations. We had many people on that episode, one of which was my friend and colleague Chris Fenwick, whom I mentioned at the top of this episode. Chris actually had some really profound words about perspective on that show. One thing he said that especially resonated with me was when he shared the reason that his podcast, The FCPX Grill, has been on hold for such a long time, essentially over a year. The reason? Because Chris had found a special woman in his life. Way to go, Chris. During my conversation with Chris, he talked about a number of things, one of which was that he told me he had just watched that Breaking the Glass film episode, the episode number two I mentioned earlier, and was really impressed with it, which I got to tell you was high praise coming from such a talented editor as Chris. In our conversation, he laid down some really great insight and advice about what is required to make it in this business. But what prompted that discussion was his thoughts on the scene from the Breaking the Glass film clip I just played for you. Here's Chris. You know, there was the one woman, the the white woman who had been an assistant editor for 20 years. Right, right, right. And at 15 minutes and 28 seconds in that piece, she said in response to something that had gone on with her with her editor, she said, I knew at that time I needed to go back to my desk and work harder than I've ever worked before. Um, I don't remember specifically what she was responding to, but I tell you. And I'm not saying that she does, she's not a hardworking assistant editor. And she's probably, if she's been doing it for 20 years, she's probably very good at it. But that statement sent up a gigantic red flag to me. And, that, and what that statement told me is that for the previous 20 years, she had not been working as hard as she could have been working. 
because she knew that she had more to give and she was going to go back to her desk and she was going to give more. So maybe the reason she's an assistant editor and not an editor is that for the last 20 years, she's been pulling punches. Do you see how that sounds in my head? And, and, and again, she's probably a wonderful woman and I would assume because I know the way you work. She's probably a very good friend of yours. I don't know. But what that sounded like – now, if I was her PR manager – I would say, hey, you know what? Uh, let's not use that statement ever again because it sounds like you're pulling bunches and you're not you, – for the last 20 years, you haven't been given your all. And maybe she has been and she just misspoke. But do you hear what that sounds like? No, that's really interesting you say that. Um, she said I, – I knew at that point I needed to go back to my desk and work harder than I've ever worked. So she's basically stating for the last 20 years, I have not been given it my all. And I got news for you. The reason I'm an editor, doing crappy corporate videos, you know, I'm not doing Hollywood movies that take three-year commitments like she talked about. I get it. And, you know, she's probably a way better editor than I am. I'm, But I'm at the top of my game, which is a simpler game, right? <laughs> I'm not playing Monopoly. I'm playing checkers. <laughs> I'm, playing, I'm playing an easier – or I'm not playing chess. I'm playing checkers. But the reason I'm here is for the previous 30 years – I gave more than a hundred percent and you know, I get it. And, and the people that are asking, oh, so do you have kids? Oh, do you know? How? I mean, that's crappy stuff, but it's not so much that she's a woman and she's a mother and she's trying to work in a predominantly male dominated world. Although it is now, you know, 50 years ago, it wasn't women were, were editors predominantly or ed, uh, editors were women is what I should have said. But it, it's probably more that the people that she was trying to get jobs for, for, and I don't know if you use the explicit tag, but they were probably just assholes, you know? What? Assholes in Hollywood? They can't be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so, I mean, I heard that statement and it was just like, king red flag. So for 20 years, you haven't been given your all. That's too bad. Maybe you should have tried hard. And she even said in the final, in her si final soundbite, I believe, she said something about, I realized, you know, I just kind of needed to grow a pair. And here's the thing. I don't care if you're white or green or yellow or black or brown. I don't care if you're six feet tall or five feet tall. This is a crappy business. It is a difficult business. And yeah, you have to be like that young guy that she talked about and you have to come in and you have to say, hey, I need more money or I'm walking out the door. And if you're afraid you're going to lose your job by saying that, I got news for you. You don't deserve this job. You have to put yourself in a position where you are irreplaceable because if you're afraid you're going to lose the job, why do you have the job? And I know that sounds like, you know, screw you, Fenwick. You're the six foot tall white guy. You know, I know that sounds like that. But the fact of the matter is that any position that you put yourself in, you need to excel that position beyond what was expected of you. And you want to turn heads where people go, wow, I did not know that that equipment could do that thing or that software could do that thing or that person could do that thing. Keep him around, even if he is, you know, kind of a dick or impetuous and he doesn't speak PC and he offends people on occasion. 
and that's the way I see it. Okay. And I'm sorry, I've done this. I, you asked me one question. I talked for 20 minutes, but, no, but, no, but you, but you see the difficulty there. Yeah. I mean, cause I am, I am the enemy. I am the six foot tall white guy and yeah. I'm saying, saying, you know, you got to just try harder. Right. Right. And, now, and people don't uh, have too much empathy for me. It's funny that you talked about your comment about how, you know, she wasn't working as hard. I was watching um, a friend of mine named Dane Sanders does, you know, motivational speaking in the creative industry. And he did this, you know, experiment. My name is Dane Sanders and I have a question. I'm just curious. It's early in the morning and it, it, I, I don't know for sure. I, you seem like the kinds of folks that don't want to waste your time. You want to get after it. Is that accurate? Okay, so, well, I'm curious, though, if you're going to be that kind of person to get started, I want to test you, just a quick little test, and it's a simple request. So I'm going to ask you to do something in a moment, and I want you to do exactly what I ask, and I'm just curious if you're truly all in. Are you going to be all in on this request? Are you sure? You're sure? All right, let's see. So what I'd like you to do is take your right hand and raise it as high as you possibly can. Hold it. Now I'd like you to raise it a little higher. So I'm really curious why you were holding back. <laughs> go ahead and let your hands right down. Why is it that we don't go all the way in? And then everybody raised a little bit higher. And he made the exact same point you made. So why didn't you raise, why did you find extra room, you know, to raise hmm. your hand? When the first time I said, raise it as high as you can. I just thought it was funny because I literally just saw that video last week and then you made the comment you just made. I would have stood on my chair. I would have stood up, stood on my chair and raised your hand. And that's how you get noticed. Hmm. Yeah. You know, if you're just going to sit there and like keep your elbow in your lap and raise your hand as high as your elbow, you're fired. Who's next? I want the guy who's going to stand on his chair and do a horseshack, you know, oh, oh, Mr. Carter, Mr. Carter. Remember that show? Or am I dating myself? No, no. I remember that show. We're both dating. I totally remember okay. that show. You, you, know, but I you want, are dating yourself, but yeah. I want that guy. Yeah, if you don't know who Welcome Back Cotter is and Horshack, I'm sure it's on the YouTube. <laughs> yeah, so Google go check it. it out. Yeah, Google that. But but see the point? Like when you said raise your hand as high as you as you can, I immediately thought, well, I'm gonna stand on my chair. That's that's the kind of energy you have to put into this business if you want to be something more than just an assistant. You know? Yeah, yeah. When I started in this business uh, 30 plus years ago, I was a part-time student assistant at a small PBS affiliate that was attached to a city college. Uh, you, you lived in the Bay Area. You may have remembered uh, uh, the College of San Mateo, Channel 60. And, um, and because I was a student, I could walk down the hall and sign up and work in the, the TV studio. And if I was qualified to run camera, I could say, yes, I'm available this Tuesday afternoon. And I'd show up and I'd do three hours. Now, every week you did a certain number of hours as a student. And if you surpassed those hours, they would actually pay you a very small amount. I think at the time, and I remember this is mid, mid uh, 80s. I think at the time it was like six bucks an hour, which is not, it's not a living wage. You couldn't live off of that. Through that job though, for the next couple of years, I got a lot of experience. I met a lot of directors that came in that would hire out our studio and they liked me. Again, I was the guy who stood on the chair and raised his hand and they said, hey, do you want to come work with me at another studio? You, you know, are you full time here? Nope. I'm freelance. Okay, fine. 
And in doing so, I found out that I could make three to four times an hour by working any place else in town. Okay. Now I was a technical director. I sat in the control room. I sat uh, at a a bunch of old equipment and I was able to make it roll over, play dead and beg for, for treats because I was good with that equipment. And uh, by that analogy, uh, I mean, I was very, I, I could make the equipment do things that other people in the studio couldn't do. Right. And so I got tired of working for $6 an hour and I went into the production, uh, the station manager actually. And I said, hi, um, I'd like to talk to you about um, rates and here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to leave today and I'm not scheduled to work again till next Tuesday. And it, this was like a Wednesday. And I said, uh, I'm going to leave today and I'm not going to come back in this building until you figure out how to pay me $20 an hour. Okay, so I like, excuse me, I completely norma raid this thing and I said, you know, six bucks to eight or whatever it was at the time, six fifty, six seventy five, up to 20 bucks an hour. And I said, I'm not coming back until you. And he goes, well, you know, I, I really don't have a, a mechanism to pay you any more than that. And I said, that's not my problem. That's yours. So figure it out. Give me a call. You have my number later. Hopefully I'll see you next Tuesday. And I walked out. I'll try and abbreviate the story. Uh, he avoided my calls for the next couple of days. And on the Tuesday evening when I was scheduled to be in the building and I had fully warned him, <clears throat> I get a phone call about 10 minutes, 15 minutes after I was supposed to be in the building from the production manager. He goes, hey, Fenwick, you coming in? I said, have you talked to Rick today? And he goes, uh, no. I go, go talk to Rick. Five minutes later, I get a call from Rick's office. Uh, Rick would like to see you tomorrow morning first thing to discuss stuff. And I said, okay. And, and then because it was a live television show that I was not there for, um, I watched – I got to say I watched it like go down the tubes that evening. It was a little bit satisfying. <laughs> <clears throat> and, but I had given them full warning. Like, like he knew. He's the station manager. He knows I'm not showing up. I go in the next day and he says – um, I figured out a way to do it, do it like this and I can pay you that amount. And I said, that's fine. That's great. Thank you. But if you're going to do it for me, you have to do it for my friend, Phil, who brought me in under his wing and taught me everything he knew. knew. And I just said news, uh, knows. Um, and he, you know, was angry and he said, fine. And I walked down the hall, I shook his hand and I walked down the hall and I said, I pulled Phil out of the studio. He was up in the rafters, you know, lighting something. And I said, uh, Hey, I just want to let you know, I just, I just got us pretty big raises. And he goes, what? And I explained it to him and he was like, <laughs> I can't believe you did that. Cause Phil was going to sit there and work for $6 an hour and then go paint and wallpaper houses on the weekends because he could make enough money to support. He had a family. And, but he, he had such a love of the craft that he was afraid to walk out. And I got news for you. Sometimes you have to. But if you do and they say, yep, let them go and they replace you, I got bad news for you. You weren't as hot at that job as you thought you were. And that's the admonition. You want to be great? Be great. Be insanely great. 
be so good that people are like, oh my goodness, I get, wait, wait, where's, where's Ron? Why isn't he here? Call Ron. What, what's the matter? Was he sick? Is he, uh, is he dying? Is he in the hospital? Do I need to go get him? No, he, he didn't want to work for this amount of money. We'll pay him more. Get him back. Right. That's the guy you want to be. And you know what? With the democratization of technology, it's increasingly difficult. Doesn't mean it can't be done. Be great at what you do. By the way, I'm looking at Dane Sanders' website, and, and there's a picture of everybody raising their hands, and nobody's standing on their chair. Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> the video I was talking about. Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's pulling the horse shack. <laughs> I love that. I mean, that exam, that story you gave is classic, like thinking outside the box. Where, um, but so here's the thing: how much of that? Because do you feel? I mean, I think one reason why no one stood on the chair, I think part of it is embarrassment. I think part of it is a sense of decorum and etiquette. How much of that do you think, though, kind of travels over to real life? Like, Okay, okay, three words. What? Embarrassment, decorum, and etiquette, none of which have any place in your own personal branding if you want to get noticed. Oh, tell me about that. I'm just saying. I don't, wa I don't want to be another guy standing against the wall with my night vision goggles trying to get a dance at the junior prom. I want to be, you know, Anthony Michael Hall. I want to be the one that gets noticed. Right? Don't just be, you know, oh, I don't remember you being there. I was the I was the seventh guy from the end of the table sitting with his hands folded being unnoticed. <laughs> oh, you were there. Oh, you were there. I didn't realize that. So the other question I was going to ask you is, uh, you know, what is like a grown ass man like you doing using Snapchat? And what's <laughs> <laughs> a grown ass man like you, he says. Uh, and, uh, you know, in you all seriousness, you know, because you've talked about it and how you use it. Comment on that and just, you know, your it, idea of embracing really new technology. That's really easy. You know, in 1990, when I was doing my TV show, uh, The Computer Chronicles, uh, Mark Montgomery and Tim Jennison came to San Mateo. And they brought an, a, 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 a Commodore Amiga with a little video card in it called a video toaster. And I got to see it before the rest of the world saw it. And we put it on our TV show. And it was largely regarded as being kind of a toy. Two years later, uh, they had a software update that allowed me to do something that I saw as being a critical missing piece of the Video Toaster 1.0. And I bought one. And again, everybody in the San Francisco Bay Area said, Fenwick's an idiot for playing with that thing. That's stupid. That's not broadcast. That's not real. That's not, a fit. That's not professional. And I used to tease people. I go, really? Because watch this. When I hit the return key, a $20 bill comes out the disk drive. Like I, I had my Amiga modified. Like, look at this. I'm making money. I'm making money. I'm making money. And literally, literally, I made a living off of that thing for like five years, I think. Right? That was an important uh, key tenant, if you will, of my career was embracing the inexpensive, the new, the unofficial, the non-professional and finding ways to fold it into my production pipeline uh, to be able to 
be that guy who's standing on his chair holding his hand over his head. You know, if I was just another guy who came in and sat at the equipment that you already own, guess what? We're going to just do what you've already seen. Uh, I got to bring something new to the party. I have to. And at 54 years old, even though it's, you know, 26 years later, I'm still trying to find what is next. That's why I, a grown-ass man is playing with Snapchat, because I'm going to find it, hopefully, before you do. Chris ended this part of the discussion by commenting on the kind of people Christine has to work for in this aspect of the business. You're just working for people that are not good people. And you know what? It might be Hollywood. And here's the thing that that the that the YouTube and the Snapchat and the Instagram and the Twitter world has taught us. You don't need to work for Hollywood. Casey Neistat has more people watching his videos in a single week than a lot of Hollywood movies ever get. He's getting 2 million views per day, seven days a week. I know, it's crazy, man. You want an audience? Work as hard as Casey does. You think he stands on the chair? He stands on the chair. 14 million views a week. You don't need Hollywood. Stand on your chair. Get noticed. Take your iPhone. Take your iMovie. Hit the publish to YouTube button. Get noticed. Be good at it. Don't be average. That's how you make a living today. Anyway. My original intention was to have what you just heard in this first half of this episode be a standalone bonus episode for Radio Film School. It felt like the kind of message you could really sink your teeth into. And I still believe that everything Chris said regarding standing on a chair is excellent advice. But I given Radio Film School show regulars J.D. and Yolanda Cochran a copy of my call with Chris to listen to. First, Yolanda is a co-producer on Breaking the Glass. Second, both of them are good friends with Christine, so I was curious to hear their thoughts on what Chris had shared. JD's response was, well, classic JD. But it, like when I heard that story, I'm like, that's why I said I want to be the motherfucker that kicks the motherfucker off the chair who stand, <laughs> who's a jackass and stands up. I don't give a fuck about that bullshit. On the next episode of Breaking the Glass, we'll hear JD's assessment of Chris's comments. But I find it very interesting that he chose to red flag that. I'm like, oh, okay, I see. So she's listed 20 other things, but this is the one that catches your attention. You're right. You're this right. This is the there. red flag. No, and yes. on top of that, wait, hold on. And on top of that, it wasn't that the guy came, it wasn't her editor came up to her and said, you know what, Christine, you're not really performing up to the standard of everybody else. You're not really doing, you know, we're going to need you to perform better. And she's like, went back to her scene and said, oh, I got to remind myself to perform. No, you know what it was? She went to him and said, look, I know I'm doing as well as everybody else. Right. I know I'm a good editor and I need your help. I want to advance my career. And he turned around and said, you know what? I don't got time for you. I'm not right. really bothered with that. I can't be bothered with that right now. Then lo and behold, a week later, he's giving another motherfucker, a young dude, that probably reminded himself of himself when sure, he was 25. Sure. He said, oh, why don't you go on that retreat? Why don't you go on that spiritual business retreat? That would be great <laughs> for your career. But yet he couldn't have time for Christine. Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. No, you're was, absolutely right. No, I, that, So that was a red flag for me on Chris. It promises it to be very enlightening. Hey, 
Hey guys, if you get a chance, stay tuned after the credits. We have a preview for a new podcast that we just launched. It's our very first TV show companion podcast about the HBO hit series Westworld. I think it's really special. So if you want to hear a preview about that, stay tuned after the credits. Breaking the Glass is a radio film school miniseries and a production of Dare Dreamer FM. Production help from Chris Husslidge, Yolanda Cochran, and J.D. Cochran. Music for this episode was curated from freemusicarchive.org. Links to tracks are in the show notes. And speaking of music, Song Freedom has a huge library of songs from every genre. And they are your best source to license music from mainstream artists like the Lumineers and One Republic, or classic tunes from the likes of Sinatra, Marvin Gaye, and The Temptations. Go to songfreedom.com radio and sign up for a new account, and you'll get a free standard gold level license worth $30. That's songfreedom.com radio. We thank Song Freedom again for their support. Breaking the Glass is also supported by Videoblocks, a subscription service to license premium HD and 4K stock footage. When you go to videoblocks.com RFS, you can sign up for a free 7-day trial that will allow you to download up to 140 clips from their main library. If you like what you see, use that same link and you can get their year plan for as little as $99. The normal rate is $79 a month. You'll get unlimited downloads from their library of over 115,000 clips. You also get access to their marketplace of over 1 million user-generated stock clips at rates as low as $20 to $30 cheaper than other popular stock sites. Remember, that's videoblocks.com RFS. Another great way you can support the show is by leaving a rating and review in iTunes, or whichever podcatcher you use. But iTunes really does the best at helping the show get found, so even if you don't use iTunes, go in there, open it up, and give us a rating and let us know what you think. You can follow me on Twitter at FM, and you can follow the show at Radio Film School. If you like this episode, share it on Twitter or email it to a friend. No quotes for this week, but I will give you my usual Radio Film School send-off. If the story sucks, I don't care what you shot it with or cut it on. Hey folks, real quick, before we get to today's bonus segment and preview of the new podcast that we're doing, just want to give you a quick shout out to Whipster. They're the only video collaboration tool that integrates with Vimeo. Quickly and easily share videos with clients and collaborators in a sleek design and intuitive interface that allows you to make frame accurate comments and annotations. If you're an Adobe Premiere Pro user, you can share from Premiere up to Webster and back down into Premiere, even downloading any comments that you made on Webster. Just go to webster.io to learn more. For a while, I've been wanting to do a podcast about a hit TV show, but usually by the time I find a show that I really like, it's already three or four seasons in, and it doesn't really make sense to start a podcast about it. Or I've just been so busy with everything else that I'm doing that there hasn't been time to do a podcast. But for this particular show, I thought it was an opportunity I just didn't want to pass up. We're at the beginning of a new series. Westworld is thought going to be the successor to Game of Thrones for a show that you just can't miss. So on a whim, I had an idea to do this podcast. I shot an email to JD and Yolanda. They said they were down for it. And what we came up with, something pretty uh, different than what's currently out there. Uh, I kind of like to describe it as the Westworld podcast that Samuel L. Jackson would love. I think once you hear it, you'll get an idea of what I'm talking about. Ron, that's the type of brother I am. When you have me come on and do something, I'm going to give you my all. I'm going to get some shit off my chest. That's right. I got some things to say. 
Hello and welcome to Wrestling with Westworld, the unofficial, unruly, and often uproariously funny podcast about the HBO hit series Westworld. I'm your host, Ron Dawson, and every week I and co-host JD, Yolanda, and Adu engage in everything from idle banter to dragged out yelling debate over fan theories, philosophy, feminism, as well as the occasional Star Wars tangent. This isn't so much a show about Westworld as it's a show about four longtime friends and filmmakers who like to talk about Westworld, and you get to be the fly on the proverbial wall. This week, JD has a conniption fit over hearing about fan theories. In the real world, you can avoid the things where that could happen. Like if someone's sitting in theater and they stand up and they root and they shout out what their theories are, that's not the same thing as you going to blog posts or listening to podcasts where you know someone could... Part, right, you're absolutely right. Or participating in a podcast where the motherfucker don't tell you that he's going to spoil this shit for you. I didn't know this shit was coming up on this podcast. Here's, here's now you ruined it for me. If you read the show notes... It's ruined. Nigga, I didn't even know we had show notes. You keep sending me shit on Google Docs. That's why I didn't, don't have me start my Google Doc rant again. All that, as well as the typical tangent or two. Are you ready? If so, pull up a stool, pour yourself a drink, and hunker down. Let's go in The first three episodes of the podcast are now online. Definitely look for it online. Keep an eye out for it. Sign up for the email list for the podcast if you want to know when new episodes drop. Each episode is going to be funny. We're going to have great insights into the show, into the themes discussed on the show, with the kind of flavor that is going to really make you laugh out loud. So uh, you can find it at daredreamer.fm slash westworldpod. That's daredreamer.fm slash westworldpod. And let us know what you think. What are your fan theories about what's going on in the show? That's it for now. Uh, See you next time. Bye. You're listening to Dare Dreamer FM, the sound of creative expression. Hmm? Ah! Oh. Podcast to go.